Thank you for joining us today. For more information about our service times, visit okoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram at okoegt. Now let's prepare our hearts as we go into the message. Today we start a sermon series on heart. The importance of serving one another with love. Turn with me to the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. And, and wow, what a passage here that we have. Now, I was drawn to, to verse 10, but as you look at the context, you get a fuller understanding. So we really have to begin reading in verse 7. Reading out of the New Living Translation Peter says, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those in need or who need a meal or a place to stay God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Notice this phrase, use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. I think most of us would agree that our passage opens with a statement that reads like a newspaper headline. The end of the world is coming soon. This letter written by Peter a little less than 2,000 years ago sounds like the New York Times today. The words of Peter are the words of the living God to his church. The Old English, the King James says it this way, but the end of all things is at hand. The message paraphrases it this way, everything in the world is about to be wrapped up. Oh, I like that. The truth is, the end of the age is at hand. The end of the world is coming soon, and everything in the world is about to be wrapped up. And Peter is urging the recipients of his letter to live in light of the knowledge that the end of the world is coming soon. And the statement made by Peter is, is emphatic. That is, is in a statement made with emphasis. Now, there has been a question asked, and I think it's appropriate to ponder today. What would you do if you had 24 hours to live? Who would you talk to? What would you say to them? Where would you go? What would you do if you knew you only had 24 hours to live? The premise of the question suggests we would do what we thought was the most important thing to us. The Apostle Peter, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says we're to live with the consciousness that the end of the world is coming soon. 
And what is so great about the epistle of Peter is he gives us solutions. He gives us admonitions. He gives us some goals and some commands concerning the end of the age. In our passage this morning, we are called to have a heart for others. A heart for one another and a heart to, first of all, write this word, to pray. Notice verse 7, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. That word therefore can mean because we have the belief the world as we know it is coming to an end, we should stay prayed up. We should develop a prayer life. And the best way to give yourself to this idea of heart to serve is to pray for one another. One theologian writes this, the end of all things is near. Prepare yourselves mentally, therefore, and attend to prayers. Peter calls us to an alertness and action. This is a time for action, but no time to waste. Peter uses two words to give direction to one's prayer life while we live with the understanding that everything we see is temporary. And it's this, write the word earnest. Be earnest in your prayers. That word earnest means to be sensible, to be reasonable, to be sober, soberly wise. To live wisely in self-control over one's passions, over one's desire. Now write this word. Write the word disciplined. Be disciplined in your prayers. Again, that word discipline in the original means to be sensible, to be sober, to get self-control, to sober up. And the idea is this. One living in drunkenness, they're sobered up by right living. In other words, prayers should not be practiced nonchalantly or flippantly. Believers are to take prayer seriously. When a heart, a heart for the kingdom, a heart for the house, a heart for the things of God, be a person of prayer. This phrase, this Newspaper headline sounds dramatic, but the word of God is very clear that this world as we know it will end. But your life will go on for eternity. And church, if we feel like that we had just a certain amount of time to live, what would we do? My hope is this, is that we would be devoted to prayer, and prayer one for the other. Let's talk about a heart to love. Write that word love. Notice verse 8, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Again, the context is, hey, this world's coming to an end, so love well. Love one another. Be devoted to deep love in each other. Now, the New Living puts it this way, most important of all. See, Peter brings attention to loving each other by saying most important of all. 
He's not saying at the expense of prayer. No, he is simply stating, let everything you do have its foundation in love. Serve out of love. This was something that they were already doing, and Peter wanted them to continue to show deep love for each other. He, in essence, is commending their love, and he says, continue in these things. Now, that, that, that word deep is interesting because it describes something being stretched or that is extended. The word love is agape. Now, agape love always seeks the good of the person loved. And the evidence of agape love is action, not simply words. The outflow of agape love is sacrifice. Sacrifice one for the other. True agape love is constantly being stretched to the limit by the demands made on it. And this is precisely where agape love shines because it's not exhausted when it becomes difficult or inconvenient. It says, hey, the world's coming to an end. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind. Continue to show deep love, agape, toward one another. Don't be short with each other. Be willing to allow your love to be stretched for one another. Never more is love stretched than when you and I have been wronged or hurt, but yet Christ's character shines the most when we love in spite of the hurt, the pain. Then Peter makes this powerful statement. Love covers a multitude of sins. See, one of the most difficult and inconvenient times to extend love is when someone in the body or the church has hurt or wronged us. But we must demonstrate a love that is willing to be stretched because love covers a multitude of sins. And that word cover literally means this, willing to forgive. And the present tense indicates that which is to be constantly true in the life of the believer. We are to walk in love, a love that is forgiving one toward the other, a love that is forgiving toward those who have hurt us. Now, love does not ignore the reality of personal sin any more than it justifies or condones it. Confrontation of sin is appropriate and necessary, especially when we demonstrate love. However, it is just as important to demonstrate a willingness to forgive and then to move on. Forgiveness, like love, is an act of the will. It's a personal choice. A person chooses either to forgive or not. One writer says this, where love abounds in a fellowship of Christians... Many small offenses and some even large ones are overlooked and forgotten. But where love is lacking, every word is viewed with suspicion. Every action is liable to misunderstanding and a conflict. Conflicts abound. Proverbs 10 verse 12 says, Hatred stirs up quarrels, but love makes up for all offenses. I love how the old uh, English, the... New King James says it. It says, love covers all 
sins. Can I be honest? Life is so much easier when we exercise and walk in this type of love. Because we're not walking around suspicious of others. We're not wondering, is someone against me? But when we choose to operate in this love, Peter speaks about life. Life can become wonderful. But when we choose not to operate in this love that Peter talks about, life can become a challenge. Now, let's define this love. Let's go a little bit deeper. Because our culture has redefined love. And, and we've allowed that culture to creep into the church. So, so I want you to write this under B. Write biblical agape love. Biblical Agape love. I say it that way because there's a differentiation between that word that is so flippantly used today. Oh, you're supposed to love one another as if just overlook what they're doing, overlook the sin, don't, don't, don't hold people accountable. You just got to accept and love and just move on. That's not biblical agape love. Agape love is an unconditional love which draws out the best in others. It always seeks the best for and in one another. True biblical love has boundaries. And the boundaries of agape love is wrapped in holiness. Agape love has its foundation in the word of God. Holiness is the boundary that defines this love. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 12 verse 14 and the old English says, pursue peace with all people and holiness. Without such, no one can see the Lord. No one can enter the kingdom of heaven without holiness. The New Living puts it this way. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. As you get that, work at living a holy life. You got to work at it. It's, you got to put effort towards it. Work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Agape love will love you straight into heaven because agape love is so powerful that it refuses to allow you to remain in your sin and brokenness. Agape love will confront sin and still love the person. Agape love calls you higher. Agape love calls you to your purpose and destiny in the kingdom of God. Now, write this, deceptive love. And this is how I define this thing people call love today. It's deceptive. And I need you to hear this. There is a deceptive love that has invaded and even pervades many in the church. It's a love that accepts the sinner and the sin. This deceptive love never calls the sin out. And I am concerned that we have emphasized the unconditional aspect of agape without teaching the boundary of agape, which is holiness. Now, remember, agape seeks the best in you, and your life is lived 
best when you're living in total and complete communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you do that? By living out the word of God. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. If you love me, walk in my teachings. Agape love is not a love that accepts a person's sin, but rather this love draws out. It, it, it digs for the hidden treasure in the life of the one love, and it will bring it to the surface. This agape love seeks the good in others because this love is wrapped in holiness. Holiness is the boundary which defines this love. There is a deceptive love that has invaded our churches and our homes, and it's a love which never confronts, never identifies sin. So what happens is we end up loving that person straight to hell. Because this love is so deceptive, it, it, it looks and feels like love. So what happens is people, our loved ones, are still locked in their prison, still bound in their lifestyle choices, and they become comfortable with their life because sin is never confronted. Hear me. This deceptive love is one of the greatest lies ever hatched out of the pit of hell. And the reason is this deceptive love allows the sinner to sit in our churches and never feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They sit in our churches and are never convicted of their own behavior. And the challenge that we must face is we preachers in America, we've watered down the message and people are broken and they stay in their brokenness. We preached a watered down message, a social gospel, all the while people are lost in their sinful behavior. And this deceptive love is sending people to eternal damnation, allowing the lost to think they're okay. But may we practice Biblical love with each other. May we practice biblical love that will sit down and confront wrong behavior, confront sin, but still love the individual to call them to their higher purpose, to call them to their destiny, to call them to Christ likeness. I believe GT. We must keep biblical agape love in the forefront. It is this love that we are to exercise with each other. Verse 8 again says, most of all, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. It's a love that holds each other accountable, but is willing to be stretched for the sake of of the other. The thing is this, we like the stretching part, but we don't like the accountability part. The word of God will transform your life. The word of God will wash you. The word of God will cleanse you. The word of God will call you higher. And it's important today that we allow this biblical agape love to call us out of our sin and into a lifestyle of righteousness. It's important that we allow this biblical agape love to confront the era of our heart, the era of our sinfulness, and to call us to righteousness. 
righteousness in Jesus, to conformity to his word, to conformity to his will. You cannot live like the world and then worship as if God is your father. Let me tell you, when you worship God as your father, you'll live like the word of the living God. He's called you to come out of darkness into his marvelous life. He's called you to live a life of separation. He's called you to live a life of holiness and righteousness. I realize we ain't perfect. I realize you may not be perfect, but it's the heart of the matter that we follow the presence of Jesus, that we love one another and allow that love to be stretched, but never let that love compromise. If you're bound by lust, seek freedom in Christ. If you're living a life of fornication, allow the word to restore you and walk in holiness. If you're bound by adultery, allow the Holy Spirit to confront that in your life. Seek forgiveness in the Lord. If you're bound by an alternative lifestyle, confess it to the Lord and allow the love of God to transform you. Walk in the likeness of Jesus Christ. He's called you to holiness. If every time we come to church, it makes us feel comfortable, there might be something wrong. The presence of God is to stir things up. The presence of God is to call us higher. We must love individuals. The old saying is this, hate the sin. But hear me, that's become cliche. Allow the word to deal with the brokenness in your life so that the wholeness and completeness of Jesus can be manifested in you. Now Peter says this, the third point. Have a heart to serve. Have a heart to serve. Look at verse 10. God has given each of you a gift for his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Author Jim Wilson writes this, people have a deep need to enter into meaningful relationships with people who share their values. The church is a community of people who voluntarily enter into relationship with one another to accomplish kingdom goals. It's a place where we minister and we receive ministry. It's amazing how many times that phrase one another is used in the New Testament. It's like 85 plus times. One another. Now, we like and we're good at serving sometimes, but we're not good at receiving. Now, that phrase one another, by nature of the phrase, means you're, you're actively serving others, but you're also actively receiving it. And a lot of times we have trouble receiving it, but we're not living in total completeness to the call. The call is this serve one another. It's a double action. You serve and you receive. You minister and you receive uh, ministry. Sometimes we're more comfortable doing than we are receiving. But it's imperative that you receive from the Lord and not only be used uh, of the Lord. You have a gift, Peter says. 
Spiritual gifts are a divine endowment that God entrusts to believers as stewards. Now, I want to read this verse from a couple of different translations in hopes that it will give us a deeper clarity and insight. The NIV says it this way. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. The New King James says, as each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So each person has received one or more spiritual gifts from God. A spiritual gift is a talent or ability empowered by the Holy Spirit and able to be used in the ministry of the church. Spiritual gifts help God's people to serve and love one another and continue the work of the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Rome. Turn there with me in your Bibles to Romans 12 just for a moment. Romans 12, look at verse 4. Just as our body has many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, he has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Notice he's given you different gifts to do certain things well. Peter says that gift that the Holy Spirit has deposited in you, that gift that God has given you, that gift that God has placed and entrusted to you, you use it to serve one another well. Now, don't forget the headline here. The world is coming to an end. There is a finality to one's life. There's a finality to this thing called the world. You're to live in light of eternity. You're to have a heart for the things of God. You have a heart for the things of God to pray. To pray earnestly and diligently one for the other. To develop and devoted to prayer. Develop that prayer life. That time that you get along with God to pray for others and to pray for the needs of your life. Considering this world is coming to an end. We're to live a life of love. Biblical agape love with each other. We don't want to stay in our sin. We don't want to stay in our brokenness. So we need people in our life who's going to call us higher. Say, hey, brother, sister, I, you're struggling with this sin. Don't allow the enemy to win in your life. God's created you for a higher purpose. God's created you to a higher calling. Come out of that and walk in wholeness. Walk in completeness. That's what biblical love is. And you know what love does? Love covers a multitude of sin. We're going to have offenses against each other. We're going to do things. Sometimes, hopefully it's not intentional. Hopefully it's just a part of just walking through life. And when we have love, this biblical agape love, it's also going to cover. It's going to help us to forgive one another and walk in that. And Peter says, considering this thing's going to wrap up one day, Give your life in service. God's given you a gift for such a time as this. Now serve each other 
well. Use what God has given you to serve God's kingdom well. You're talking about a heart. You're talking about a heart that's going to be pleasing to the Lord. You're talking about a heart that's going to be pleasing to God. You're talking about a heart that's going to move society. It's when we're praying, when we're loving, and when we're serving. Sometimes, sometimes we don't serve well because we're not confident in what God has given us. You got to identify the gifts that God's placed within you. And you got to be willing to take ownership of those gifts. God has empowered you, God has gifted you, and the Holy Spirit's calling you to take ownership. He wants to use you. The Holy Spirit has empowered you to serve his kingdom. Serve well. That's the heart that God is looking for. That's the heart that God is after. When King Saul had failed, in essence, lost the anointing. Yeah. There's times in your life because of continual disobedience, because of continual stiff-neckedness toward what God's called you to, you can lose the anointing of God. Saul lost the anointing of God. God began to look for a man after his own heart. Samuel went to the house of Jesse and began to look for the next king. Jesse paraded his sons before the man of God. The man of God thought, surely this is the one. They, they look the part. They're strong. They're tall. They, they, they look like they would make a great king. The Spirit of God kept saying, no, that's not the one. Until he got to David, the shepherd. Immediately when he walked into the room, Samuel knew. This is the man after God's heart. God's looking for such to serve him today. Your heart matters. Devote yourself to prayer. Devote your life to praying, communing with God. Pray one for the other. Love well. But don't buy into this love of our culture that just accepts any lifestyle and everything and many ways to heaven. That's contrary to the word of God. God created you. There's a purpose and he's called you to righteousness and holiness. Allow his love to confront you and to call you to your purpose. Use your gifts to serve. That's the heart God is looking for. Can we stand together? And as we stand, can we bow our heads just for a moment in prayer? As we bow our heads and close our eyes, let me ask you, how is your heart with God?
Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you given him your life? And saying, Lord, I don't want to live my way. I want to live your way. The world's coming to an end. Should your world end today? Do you have the confidence of knowing that you would spend eternity in heaven? For God so loved the world that he gave. His only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of giving your life and surrendering. You can have assurance of salvation. He's calling you out of your lifestyle. He's calling you out of your brokenness. He's calling you out of sin and he's calling you into his presence. Holy Spirit, I pray. I pray that you will heal us. I pray, God, that we'll surrender to your call. As our head is bound, our eyes are closed, you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want him to heal my brokenness. I want to come out and I want to live my life for him. Maybe you're at home. Maybe you're here in, in the sanctuary. If you're here in the sanctuary, will you lift your hands and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, just lift your hand right now. You at home, won't you signify by saying yes, amen. Come into agreement with what God is declaring over your life. You're here today. How many will say, I want the Lord to use me? I want God to use my gifts, and I want to serve him well. I want to live in this biblical agape love, and I, I want to give my life in devotion to prayer. If that's you, will you step out from where you are, and will you come down front for a few minutes as we build an altar here around the front? We build an altar. All are welcome to come. Come now. As we build an altar here around the front, declaring the goodness of God in our lives.